0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Upping Your Game. I'm your host, Emma Yarborough, and today's topic is the implementation and growth of the last planner system at Global Foundries, who is one of the largest semiconductor manufacturers in the world, and their journey collaborating with worldwide professional solutions who specializes in construction management. I'm joined with Jason Beach, senior construction manager of Global Foundries based in Malta, and Kyle Price, site manager for worldwide professional solutions. Today, we're gonna do a deep dive into how their various versions and methods of managing LPS since their initial rollout in 2017 have evolved to meet growing market demands due to the global microchip shortage. Through their partnership, LPS has played a crucial role in continuously improving efficiency, communication, and culture in the high-tech semiconductor construction industry. This topic is really close to my heart. I've loved personally being a part of this project. It's been amazing problem solving, collaborating, and working as a team to be where we are today. So stay tuned to hear us discuss how we are making our industry
1: more lean. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Emma Yarbrough. Welcome to Up In Your Game podcast by TouchPlan. Um, I'm currently the LPS implementation manager supporting Global Foundries. I work for worldwide professional solutions. I've been in the semiconductor industry for five years, and I have the privilege of speaking with two of my coworkers, and I would say friends at this point. Um, Jason Beach, who is the senior construction manager of Global Foundries, currently located in Malton, New York. And Kyle Price, who is the site manager for Worldwide Professional Solutions. Uh, you guys want to tell me a little bit about your background and history, uh, Jason Starton?
2: Sure, um, <clears throat> so I'm, uh, I grew up here in the Northeast. I've been in the manufacturing and construction industry for a little over uh, 25 years uh came to Global Foundries back in 2011 uh working on the facilities side and um kind of transitioned over to the, the construction side uh very quickly as we were building out the facility here that we'll, we'll get into a little bit more uh, in a minute but that's basically my quick bio.
3: Awesome. Kyle Price um did not grow up in the Northeast and I'm <laughs> I'm glad to hear that uh, we're we're now friends. Emma, good to know. Yep. Um so My career path, I I started off as the uh, union plumber out of Local 469 in Phoenix, Arizona. Been in the construction industry for about 18 years now. Um, Predominantly worked for mechanical contractors doing uh, large capital projects, hotels, high-rises, semiconductor manufacturing facilities, and uh, a lot of other things along the way. Um, Transitioned into working with WWPS is more of a construction management um, role about five years ago uh, up here at Global Foundries. uh, Came up here for a six-month assignment and we're still here five years later. So that's kind of my career path so far in the industry.
1: Perfect. So, uh, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about what type of construction Global Foundries really does?
2: Sure. Uh so Gold Foundry is a semiconductor foundry. Um I think we'll talk a little bit of, about that. So basically what that means is we make um uh, microchips for anybody. Um we have I don't know probably hundreds of customers at this point. Um whereas some of the other um larger companies like your Intels and Samsung's they make it just for themselves. We we will go out and make it for anybody who needs it. So as such, uh we have a, a bunch of different programs that, that are going on here. Um, we do things called base build, PLS, and tool install um, that we can talk about a little bit. So, base build is essentially the big works, uh, which is the site work, building buildings, uh, installing the big heavy-duty equipment like boilers and uh, chillers and transformers and so on. Uh, PLS, which is uh, process lateral systems, that basically takes all of your utilities from the big stuff. Um, and distributes it out to the buildings. And then we have tool install, um, which in the semiconductor world, uh, a tool is basically a machine that uh, does something to process a wafer. Uh, We call those tools. Uh, All the tooling here hooks up to the PLS systems, and um, then we turn it over to manufacturing to to go make wafers. Um, So uh, Global Foundries, at least specifically DeMalta, um, which is what we're going to be talking about today, Started building here in 2009. Um, It was basically a greenfield site. Um, Cleared a plot of land in a pine forest and began building uh, probably one of the the largest facilities, uh, certainly in New York State, um, from a semiconductor standpoint. Um, I came on shortly after it started, when it was shelled out, um, and began doing a lot of the the early works and then progressed on to PLS and then uh, tool install, which is what we do right now. So we're we're a little bit more of a mature site now Uh, most of the buildings are are built out at least at this point so a lot of the work that we do is uh, tool install focused um, and that is bringing in new tooling for production as well as uh, taking old tools out putting new tools in Um, it's a little bit more dynamic today because it's a an operating facility um, we we make a, a ton of, of wafers every day, so um, it adds a level of complexity to the type of coordination and construction um, that we currently do. So um, that's sort of our, our life today.
1: So I guess before 2017 when WWPS became the CM, I guess how are you executing projects then versus now?
2: Yeah, so we did it a a bunch of different ways. Um, I think we used every execution strategy that was out there. We had design build, design bid build, GMP, uh, IPD, and a bunch of other acronyms we could throw out there. But uh, (laughs) if you you know construction, I sort of know the the world that we're in. Um, I I think around the the 2016-17 timeframe, um, we decided to take a different approach and we transitioned to more of an owner-led Uh, Program for a couple reasons one is we weren't highly successful at hitting schedule or hitting cost in the past Um, and Some of the reasons are the amount of change that we had a lot of those programs don't really deal with change very well Uh, And we didn't have a ton of I say global foundries Folks or talent here to really manage it early on we sort of built that up over time So we sort of came to a a crossroads and said if we're really going to be successful at this we really need to do this ourselves or at least Uh, have more skin in the game and develop our own programs and be more global foundry centric than relying on others to do that. Um, So we sort of looked for a partner at that point to help us go out and do that, which is kind of where uh, WWPS came in. Um, We partnered with them um, early on in that stage and began sort of mapping out a plan of, you know, what do we want to look at? Like, what do we want to do in the next, you know, five, 10 years? Um, That sort of led us to uh, this point now. And I'll say, since we've done that for the the first time in in GF's history, is we uh, started hitting schedule and coming in at or below budget, so that's something that we've never achieved uh, in the past. So uh, it's worked. It's been a it's been a ton of work and a lot of dedication by um, a lot of different people, um, but it's 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 paying off at this point.
1: So I guess going back to 2017, turning the page to you, Kyle. I understand you got the call to say, "Hey, can you come to Upstate New York to fix this whole entire thing and be here in a month?" And I guess with that kind of whole package, what was the first kind of process that you implemented to improve this program?
3: <clears throat> yeah. So as I was making my way from uh, from Arizona up to New York, there was there was some boots on the ground already that were working on just. The, the main driver with with uh, with tool install is schedule. You've got to get the tools installed on time so that the factory can meet the demands of, of manufacturing. So there was already um, initiatives taking place for for schedule, um, and it was it was slowly starting to take place at that point where we were standardizing the tool install schedule. Um, Starting to track metrics, whether we were hitting or not hitting our dates, and when we were hitting them on time. Um, but when I got up to the site, uh, I remember my first day, and uh, we we walked out into this area where they had uh, a meeting every day, and uh, which we we call now as a daily huddle. Um, it was uh, some folks call it a whiteboard meeting. It was, and that's exactly what it was. It was literally. <laughs> and uh, I remember I didn't I wasn't saying anything I was a new guy nobody wanted to talk to me they're like who's this, this new guy so I, I was just sitting there like observing what was going on <clears throat> and it was whiteboard had all of the schedule basically on the whiteboard with uh, um with dates on there and I, I'll never forget uh, you know looking at the date everybody's talking about the dates looking at the dates on the whiteboard that are written on there with the dry erase marker and one of the one of the project managers goes, So you got you know, we got this date coming up in two weeks and the trade partners are sitting there and they're like, Are you are you, you guys gonna hit that date? And they're like, Yeah, I don't I don't think we're gonna hit that date. And then the old dry erase uh came out and just whoosh, <laughs> wiped the date off the board. What's the date gonna be now? Oh yeah, I think we need another week. That changed the date. Now that date had to get put back into the schedule um at some point, which Sometimes happened and sometimes didn't happen, so that was kind of the reality that we were we were in when when we got here at two thousand and seventeen There was a lot of gaps in communication between what was actually happening out in the field versus what was needing to happen per the schedule um, so it was it was interesting to to say the least, and uh, our initial um percentage against schedule so we said we were going to hit these milestones how many of those milestones were we actually achieving and hitting when we said we were going to and we were right about 25 percent um of those milestones in the beginning so that that's uh that's kind of where we started um but uh so i'll say from a, a
2: pas perspective right when we're only hitting 25 percent uh, of what we say we're going to do there's a tremendous amount of it's a ripple effect and impacts on this um, from a construction uh, side you know it's not just you know, putting pipe out and, and pulling wires and conduit uh, we have tool vendors that are from you know all over the world that fly out here uh, and need to be here at specific times during that build uh, as well as our own gf uh, resources have to be a part of that so when we're late or we miss that by a day or a week uh, we lose those resources right and they go away and, and they might be halfway around the world and we don't get them back um, so we, we sort of lost a lot of credibility in, in the beginning right nobody believed what we said we were, were going to do and that became a big problem It became a problem from scheduling um, to the point where even when we were sort of hitting our dates as the rest of the, of the factory wasn't really prepared for it because they just assumed that we were going to miss because that's what we, we typically did um, so then that was kind of the first problem we really needed to fix uh, when when WWPS you know came on board, is we we needed to uh, one bring that PAS up consistently, um, and then start rebuilding some of that credibility with the factory and with our, our vendors, even with our trades. Right when you're uh, you say you're going to do something at a specific time, the trades are ramping up uh, for that. Um, the the trades are a union um, uh, here in New York. Um, so you, you sort of want to keep your core team or a, a, a good team, let's say, that are familiar with semiconductor here on site. You don't want to put them back on the bench because those folks will go away. So managing those resources become really essential. Um, and again, it goes back to, uh, you know, how well uh, are you following the schedule? How are you executing your plan? And uh, how how often and how early are you finding constraints and solving them so they're not impacting things? So. Um, it, it's a pretty big deal for us, right? Especially in, in those beginning days of really getting control over that.
1: So I guess 25 to 30 percent um, actually hitting your dates, and I guess you've lost kind of trust with all of your stakeholders. How did you guys remedy this? Like, what were the steps to improve PAS, and, and how did you establish trust with everyone that you really deal with here?
3: So two two major things that we that we did when we were at that point, um, we we took. Every whiteboard, and we we burnt them. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in the warehouse still. I was there the other day. Um, <laughs> still have the whiteboards. We don't we don't use them too much. We pulled that we pulled that meeting um, that daily huddle um, from from where we were having it with the whiteboards, and and what we created was a a meeting that we still have today um, called the daily operations meeting, and and what we were finding is that the the guys that were out there. That weren't hitting dates because they didn't want to hit dates. I think everybody wanted to hit the dates. Everybody was striving to to, to stay on the schedule. It's in the contractor's and trade partner's best interest to to get it done as fast as they can um, from a profitability standpoint. And uh, everybody was trying there, but what was ended up happening is there was just a lot of things we found that were standing in their way of being successful. Um, so, we, we started off, first thing that we did was we got this daily ops meeting going, and we got the decision makers in that meeting. I mean, we had um, Jason and uh, some some other folks that that were true decision makers that could say yes do this or no do that. We had we had funding issues. We had things change orders that needed to be approved. There was just a lot of stuff going on, and and uh, all those things compile on top of each other, and and people don't aren't able to get the job done. So we started. Uh, number one thing was constraint management. Um, Jason touched on it briefly. That that was the paramount in in getting us on a better a better track. We had all these constraints that were holding us up. Nobody was tracking them in these whiteboard meetings to say, "All right, when does it, when do I need this constraint resolved by? Who's going to own the constraint? What, what day can they commit to actually getting it done?" and understanding who's doing what. There, there was a lot of constraints. We identified them, but but we weren't tracking them and, and driving them to closure. And that's what the ops meeting did then to get us moving in the right direction and that's what it still does Um, five years later today that meeting still takes place on a daily basis and all the decision makers that need to to drive things to closure are in that and those constraints get assigned and uh, it enables the trades to to move forward and and get the job done per the schedule Um, and also helps us we've gotten really way better at it now that we're identifying the constraints Way earlier on in construction, too. We were identifying constraints in the beginning. After the constraint needed to be resolved, you know, we would find out about the constraint when the constraint kind of just smacked us in the face. Um, now we're we're you know we're weeks and months ahead on the constraints identifying. Um, right now, a big big thing is the supply chain. Um, we've we've. Uh, done a very good job of being out in front of that with this recent project um, that we're working on and and identifying those items that are going gonna hit us um, way early so that we can get things ordered and, and working with all the stakeholders to get that information. so I think that was that was one of the, the key pivots that we made um, and uh, to, to drive the conversation more towards the last planner system in parallel with that. That's when we deployed the Last Planner system at the, at the Global Foundry site for the first time. Um, so we put in a big initiative. We trained you know, hundreds of people on what Last Planner system was. Nobody had ever done it before. Um, we had an Excel-based version um, where you basically fill out your, your weekly work plan in Excel. It was all graded in Excel. tossing in just a crazy amount of Excel files back and forth. I mean, at the time, I think we had.
1: Well, it was revolutionary in 2017.
3: It was pretty, pretty <laughs> revolutionary. Um, it, it was revolutionary for for where we were at here, for sure. Um, we did uh, our weekly work plan coordination meetings. We had a, a six-wide uh, trailer that was also the the break trailer where everybody ate at, and we took we would take that over on Thursday afternoons, and we had. We set up like four projectors and all of the superintendents would have their daily huddles and the uh the trades were, were all that I mean we had seventy people in that meeting. Um it was and, and that's how we kicked everything off was we started it with Excel and uh started tracking and um training and monitoring everything and yeah, that's that was the the initial phase five years ago.
2: So
1: through all this, I understand over the next course of the year, you guys end up raising your PAS to around 90%, that's around where we're at today, um, and kind of revamping all the modules and processes to keep improving things. Uh, I guess through all this, did you end up establishing your trust with manufacturing, or or I guess like once we're done with the construction side of things, I mean, I, I feel like there's more of a direct flow.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's much of a question now. Right when the the, the P6 gets released, is the that's what we're going to do, right? And, and there's certainly always cases where things move, but uh, to a large extent, construction now outperforms or overruns the rest of the business, right? Which is also a problem. Um, but I, I think largely um, that the sort of shrug of the shoulders when we say we're going to hit a date, and you know that sort of disbelief it's now when we say this is the date you know they know that they have to have their stuff ready Um, and really the next phase of it right like I said it's there's construction has a major component of getting a tool installed but there's also you know a lot of our vendors um, a lot of our support staff a lot of the um, our own global foundries um, personnel on on the manufacturing side need to be aligned to it. Um, and that's somewhat of a, a struggle. So we're, we're sort of in that phase where we need to bring all of them into our, our poll plans and whatnot, make sure that they have resources available. Um, it's it's much easier for us to go out to the, as I said, out to the bench to go grab more people if we need it. It's not so easy for a tool vendor to go do that. So when we have, you know, dozens of tools a week that are coming online, um, it's, a, it's very much a struggle for the other side of the business. So we have to balance that, right? Because it's, um, it's bad to finish early almost as it is to finish late. You know, it's really here's, here's the time when I need it. This is your, your window, and that window might only be uh, hours to a, to a couple of days. So it's making sure the entire business or the entire system understands that is sort of the, the next step in all this. But um, I'd say largely the, the whole um, credibility was, was built back. You know, fairly quickly, I mean, it wasn't overnight, but I think over the course of a year of us, you know, showing them that, yeah, what we produce in terms of a schedule uh, six months ago is still true today. And we're hitting those dates. Uh, It certainly went a long way. Uh, And then, honestly, that's what the whole business is is built upon. You know, when we get a new customer, or new technology, um, you know, there's a tool set that goes with it and there's revenue behind that. So when we say, yeah, it takes X amount of time to order a tool, bring it in, install it, call it, turn it on. Um, that's what our revenue plan is based on, so we can't miss that. You know, we have to hit it. So, um, you know, we're pretty proud of, of what we've done. Um, there's still a ways to go, like I said, in bringing everybody sort of into that umbrella of doing it. Um, but so far, it's um, it's been pretty positive.
1: So I guess we're we're in 2022. I guess how has LPS and and kind of our whole entire process changed in comparison to our old? or what we used to do? Um, and I guess going forward, how do we plan to implement this to new projects and continue to continuous improvement as the lean thing says?
3: So, uh, along the way, I mean, the, the, the initial deployment of the Last Planner system was all done through an Excel-based system. Um, pretty standard. I mean, if, if anybody's familiar with Last Planner, you've probably seen the standard Excel weekly work plan. We've modified it a little bit with some project specifics um, as far as like the tool IDs that we're working on and the different phases and areas of the specific building that we're, that we're in and things like that. But for the most part, it's your standard, standard weekly work plan, which is derived from our pull plan, um, that is derived from the P6 schedule that is, uh, given from the owner. It says this is when we mean to have these, these tools completed with construction. But along the way, we've had, we went from Excel based to another newer Excel-based version. And we've probably revved that a few different times. Um, Our newer Excel-based version that we had that we used um, up until um, not not very long ago uh, was it it had some macros and some programming where the files merged and it made the administration of the Lash Planner system a lot easier for um, the trades, but still at the end of the day, um, your foreman's planning their work That has to get put into the plan, um, and then somebody's got to roll that information up, and then so it's ready to review at uh, your plan coordination meetings on Thursday and in your daily huddles. So there, there was a a pretty good amount of administrative work, not only by us WWPS as as running the program, but also uh, the trade partners themselves. So that's that's kind of how it how it's progressed, Um, and then now we i think we're at the point now where in our story where we're talking implementation of of touch plan and uh you know to to talk about touch plan and where we're at now with it um i think the biggest like there's so many there is a ton of pluses to touch plan and i think my biggest regret about touch plan is that we have, we didn't we didn't move to to utilizing it sooner on this project, because it has made all that administrative work that takes place from the trade partner perspective is almost eliminated with touch plan. So when we started to – I'll give you a, a good example when – we, when we started to implement touch plan recently on this, um, this ramp that we're in the middle of right now, we went in and we made a standard template for a tool. Um, a tool there's a lot of different facilities that go to each different type of tool, depending on what the tool does. So you have different gases, different chemicals, different waters um but we made like a template that would cover any facility on any tool, and we said if any tool you have it's all it, all these things could potentially be on there um whether it's your electrical, your dry mechanical, your process piping, it didn't it didn't matter which trade we had it all on there. And we utilized that template. So when we started to do our pull plans with our trades, we already had like literally all the activities they needed for their pull plan were already on there. They're gonna the first thing they're gonna do is they're gonna they're gonna um, usually design the system, um, whether it be a spool drawing or a plan view drawing. Somehow they're gonna they're gonna design it, and then we're gonna fabricate it, and then we're gonna put the hangers in, then we're gonna put the pipe in, then we're gonna connect the pipe together, then we're gonna pressure test, we're gonna label, we're gonna turn it over to the um, to the owner at that point so we basically had all those activities for all the different systems that we had we bundled the like systems together all your gases all your waters all your dry mechanical um, that stuff was bundled together so when we did our pull plan you didn't like formal pull plan that we would do you'd get a bunch of sticky notes and you have a bunch of sharpies and everybody's there for literally like four hours to do a tool pull plan writing a bunch of stuff down a sticky note well these guys show up and literally their sticky notes are already filled out for them. Everything's there, ready to go. And we're talking about how long is that activity going to take and where does it fit into the schedule? If all the milestones are loaded into touch plan. You walk in, in the meeting, like we're doing a meeting that would have taken us four to five hours with sticky notes and Sharpies that after that's all done has to be taken off of the board and put back into some sort of software to, to manage it after that. Because the, the world that we live in at, at of Foundries with all the work we have, we couldn't, we have hundreds of tools going on at the same time. There's no way we can have a hundred tool pull plans with sticky notes that we're moving around on a board. It just, it's not even, it's impossible to do that. So um touch plan, I mean, has enabled us to take something that took us four hours and we literally could do it. And well, what what are the pull plans taking 30, 30, minutes, 30 minutes now. So it's, it's been pretty pretty game changing as far as the lash planner system uh feedback from the trade partners on it is just like it has literally eliminated a ton of work for them to type out all those activities all the time every every week when they have to type out all their activities and then send the files over and then we got to combine all the files in excel it eliminated all that it's all right there um in in touch plan so the daily huddles are super easy you just throw the touch touch plan up there and start walking through um, all your activities. And and then we take the constraints from touch plan. We integrate those into our ops meeting. So if we have something that's holding us up in the daily huddle uh, in the morning, the ops meeting is directly after the daily huddle. So we have a constraint that pops up in the daily huddle. Boom. It goes right to the ops meeting where the decision makers are there and the people that have the ability to remove the constraint are there. So it's, it's it's right in lockstep with that. I mean, it's it's saving us uh, a pretty good chunk of time. And um, I think that one big benefit is that people tend to gravitate towards the path of least resistance. And I think everybody did last Planner before with Excel because we did see that it helped and it worked and people coordinated their efforts. But when you make it even easier, people even enjoy doing it so much more because it's it's really systematized at this point. So
2: yeah, I mean I think the big thing for us is, you know, keeping the trades in the field, right? It, it does it cost me a lot of money to have them sit in meetings. Um you need their feedback, right? You certainly need their input cuz they're the ones doing it, but Um, You know, any any amount of time that we can cut from them doing administrative work, let's call it or scheduling work and have them actually in the field construction or uh, constructing or managing their crews uh, is a win for us. So it's helped us with that. Um, And I think the other point, too, is, you know, in the world of of COVID, you know, what we've learned um, a couple of years ago was, hey, the, the big room approach where I have 50 people in a room doing planning went away almost overnight. Um, you know social distancing so on and so forth so we, we very quickly had to adapt from a a, a very hey room approach to a digital online approach and this certainly lends itself to that because you know who knows when the next pandemics gonna hit we still have to build right we still have to have folks here doing work we're a critical supplier um, but we have to keep people safe as well right so this sort of helps us do that as well so I think that, those were, were some very big um, factors here in the last call it year to, to two years.
3: I think one one thing to add on about about touch plan too is I think what's been critical for our success with it. Um we tried. Um we had a we had a we tried touch plan um back in two thousand and seventeen and we we didn't deploy it and execute it um, at that point in time and I, I think the big difference maker between the, that time and, and this time of us deploying touch plan on this particular project was that it takes somebody to facilitate that that program um, and a dedicated person um, for the size of this project that we we're on to be able to really make sure that everybody is participating, bringing everybody together. Um, our first go around, we our plan was to have basically superintendents just manage their, their touch their projects with touch plan and, and do it that way. And the difference that we did this time is we had somebody that managed the whole, now the superintendents are very involved in, in the conversation and they, they're facilitating and working through the pull plans, but we had a touch plan um, last planner administrator that came in, which would be Emma who's with us today. <laughs> and, and she basically helped everybody, you know, push this, implement this software. And uh that that was, That's the game changer between us not executing or deploying touch plan successfully back in 2017 versus um, deploying it successfully. So if I gave anybody words of advice, if you're going to deploy this on your project, make sure that you have a dedicated resource to be able to work with all of the stakeholders on the project to get it implemented and deployed properly. Because it, it, it is a heavy lift in the beginning until things get, get moving. And, and it, it it takes discipline to maintain it and sustain it as well. So,
1: Yeah, so we all met at the LCI Congress this year. And uh, we sat down. I remember we were eating tacos. And I was talking to Jason about his project and how it was different than my project and what they were doing. And um, all of a sudden, I was here in upstate New York in negative 15 in January. Um, I remember the first meeting I went into, it was, what am I doing here, too? And then Kyle and I had to sit down and I had to learn how to read the design package and all of this stuff. And then it was all right, cool, do it. And then now we've pull planned over ninety tools. Um our PPC is pretty high. I mean we have more tool data than we've ever had before to really go into, you know, improving project project execution in the future for our new builds and all that stuff. So it's been quite the crap, six months. Yeah. It's
3: been been good. Very good.
2: And it it does help us highlight where we have problems, right, because not every project is smooth by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But getting to the the root cause of, you know, why are you late here or why is there a delay, you know, this certainly helps us go do that. And then we can, uh, you know, do after-action reviews and determine, right, for the next one we're going to do this, this, and this to try to alleviate that. So we're always getting better, right? We're always striving for the – you know how fast can I do this, and you know how how easily or how much can I pull in our standard durations for the next ramp so that we can be even you know quicker at it? so um again, it's just it's another tool that sort of gives us more clarity to that and helps us focus our energies in the right spot, so
1: yeah, and I think you. Too- you know, my biggest hurdle was really establishing trust with the traits, too, and I, and I really do think it's an accurate res- representation of what's going on in the field and, and really saying, you know, hey, a constraint is a negative, or hey, even though we're putting a variance on this, like, it's not like Jason's going to come and, you know, knock on your door and say that you're doing a bad job, so it's, it's really trying to learn. Well, he might,
2: but state. it's less likely today, so. have <laughs> <laughs> to have those
1: conversations. Um, so, I guess, moving forward with all this information, I guess, where do you plan to kind of use what we've learned here to other aspects of global or, or?
2: Yeah, so we we primarily focused on tooling because that's, um, I don't want to say the easiest place to implement it, but it's probably the the, the place where it needed the most help. Um, there's, as I spoke about in the beginning, right, so there's there's base build construction and PLS construction. Uh, we haven't really touched on those yet, so I think that's the uh, the next areas where we'll probably go look at. Um, there, there's obviously a fairly significant integration between all those programs, right? It doesn't do me any good to go put a tool in it if I don't have services to connect to or to turn on. So it's pretty critical that we have basically <laughs> systems that are ready to go because uh, I don't want to say that we've constructed lines out <laughs> to nowhere. We, we've done that before and kind of wait for it, um, but it's incredibly inefficient, right? And it's expensive to do it that way. So. Um, I think the long-term plan, you know, if I look ahead, is is having a uh, an integrated system that goes right from you know base build all the way through PLS and, and tooling, uh, to again give us that predictability um, and, and to give us uh, maybe better tools to go do that. We do it today, right? We're we're not amateurs at this. We we know how to do it, um, but it's largely held together with human glue, um, and we have some very talented people, but. Um, People move on, they take different roles, and so on and so forth, and we lose that. So we we want to put some sort of institutional-type programs in place so that anybody can kind of walk into that uh, space and hit the ground running, and we have a sort of GF way of how we go to construction, and that's certainly a part of that.
1: Well, perfect. Well, thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time and insight in the Global Foundries, how you guys have collaborated, where we're going to continue to improve, and I think that's all we got.